All right, now, Easter Sunday morning. This is fabulous. This is the, one of the two times of the year people actually stop and intentionally take note of Christianity. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> which is great, you know. But, uh, you know, when is Christmas? Everybody's into Christmas and, uh, and then Easter, the resurrection, and, uh, and it's fabulous and everybody pays attention this time of year. Of course, there's people who try desperately not to have us pay attention. Uh, we have a secular world that's trying to replace Christmas and Easter. You know, for them, Christianity is a horrible thing, and you're asking to people to believe things that are absurd and ludicrous, like the virgin birth of Christmas. It's ludicrous. You can't have people believe that. So they replace it with things that you can believe in, like a fat man flying around the sky with magic animals. <laughs> Apparently, that's believable. That we can handle. But that's Jesus' birthday. I don't see how we can do that. And of course, the resurrection, that's too much to believe in. So we got something more practical, like a rabbit who lays eggs. <laughs> well, the pagans can't even get that right, you know? Like, what the heck? Anyway, for whatever reason you're here today, we're glad to have you here. And if you're watching by television, we're glad that you're watching with us. Um, I want to read to you from the, uh, one of the accounts of the resurrection. There were four of them in the Bible, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This one's Mark's version of the events. It says, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome, another woman, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. I'll give you a sense of the time frame here. This is most likely happening Saturday evening. They're going out to buy these spices. Uh, when you buried a body, particularly in Jewish tradition, you know, there were certain protocols that you should follow. Uh, the reason they didn't do this is because of when Jesus died. Now, some people wrestle with this thing too. You know, when Jesus died on Friday and he was raised three days later, that, that doesn't add up the math. Well, it wasn't three 24-hour periods in a biblical uh, vernacular. When he died on Friday, that's the first day. Then he was in the grave Saturday, and he came alive on Sunday, on the third day. So don't think scientifically. That's what it meant by the third day. And again, the Jews took the Sabbath extremely seriously. You couldn't do anything during the Sabbath. And for them, the Sabbath begins at sunset. So at sunset on Friday becomes Saturday, and you can't do anything until sunset on Saturday, and then everything comes alive again. So when these women were going out buying these spices and whatnot, obviously the bazaars and stuff opened up as of sunset that Saturday night, they go buy all these things. Because again, they didn't have time to do this on Friday. Jesus died just barely in time to get him and put him in the grave. I don't know that they really had time to even clean him up. Uh, they just had to get him in there quick because of the Sabbath. Once the sun goes down, you can't do anything. So, um, in fact, the uh, two thieves that were crucified with Jesus, uh, they had to go, and because the Sabbath was coming, they had to hurry up and make sure they died before uh, the Sabbath kicked in so they could deal with the bodies. So they went and broke their legs. Now, crucifixion is a brutal way to kill people. The Romans were quite brilliant at brutality. Came up with this crucifixion idea. Uh, they didn't just kill a guy, you know, they nail him to a cross and he slowly has to suffocate to death. Of course, he'd, he'd push up to keep the pain off of those arms until he couldn't stand any longer. And then when you go down, then they start suffocating and then they pull up and just, they, their sick little thing is to watch this 
process until the legs can no longer stand it and they finally suffocate to death. Very, very sick and twisted stuff. And they did this to our Lord, as horrifying as that is. So here comes the end of the day on Friday. The sun's starting, you know, looking at sunset coming up. So they went and they broke the legs of the uh, uh, two prisoners with Jesus, the two criminals. And, uh, and then they came, so they, break the, so, so they couldn't push up anymore. They just hurried him to sit there hanging. They, they couldn't do anything about it. Uh, and then they came to Jesus to break his legs, but they, were, they discovered he was already dead. That's why they pierced his side to see if he was in fact dead. So they never broke any of his bones, which was actually a prophecy in Isaiah that his bones would not be broken. Uh, so anyway, they just get him off the cross. They get him in the tomb and seal him up. He really has not been prepared for death. So these three women, they couldn't do anything. They had to wait through Saturday and then finally that evening they're buying all the stuff so now they can go and take care of his body like it should have been taken care of. So very early, the account picks up, very early on the first day of the week just after sunrise they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other who will roll the stone away from the entrance tomb? Because it's a big yo mama stone, I mean, you know, how are they going to deal with this? But when they looked up they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Obviously, this was like an angel. Do not be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. This was the first account of that resurrection day when those women go and behold, the stone had been rolled away. Jesus raised, who then appears to his disciples and, you know, the whole miracle of Christianity actually comes into force and for the last 2,000 years has been changing the world in which we live. Now... If Satan would have known what was going to happen, the Bible says he'd have never done this. And you have to understand that they were trying to kill Jesus all the time. It wasn't just this one time where they crucified him. Uh, they had tried many times to kill Jesus. They couldn't get his hands on him. Uh, he was always slipping in and out of the crowd. That's why they had to go to Judas to tell us, where is he? You know, someone had to, because he's always slipping in and out. They didn't know where he was at. They couldn't get their paws on him. Um, or at times when they would try and arrest him, uh, the Bible says Jesus would just walk through the crowd. Nobody could touch him because they were trying to kill him on many occasions. Finally, Satan just delights when he convinces Judas to give him up. And they go and arrest him and they beat him and they crucify him. Satan could not be more thrilled. But when Jesus on that Sunday morning was suddenly raised from the dead, Satan freaks this is not what he thought was going to happen. And now he's in trouble because the risen Christ is all over the place. And, of course, Christianity starts spreading like wildfire. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, it says, None of the rulers of this age understood it. Talking about Satan and his minions. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They would have gone down this path. If they would have known that as a result of that, 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years later, y'all would be sitting here today. They wouldn't have done it, but he didn't know what he was doing, and it was all, obviously all played into the hands of God's a great plan for all of us, uh, but uh, it was a shocker. Jesus 
when he walked out of that grave, when God raised Jesus from the dead, he had done something that had never been done before. So, well, Pastor, other people have been raised from the dead. Yeah, but then they had to die again. When Jesus was raised from the dead, it was the one time as we shall all be on some day, on resurrection day, on judgment day, be raised from the dead. Jesus was the first one. Boom. And proved that God can and in fact will raise us all someday and we'll all have to give account. And, uh, and basically proved that there is nothing impossible to God. And it was just a, a very powerful thing. So now we as Christians are supposed to be walking in that freedom that Jesus gave and demonstrated on that weekend. And one of the great phrases found in the Easter account is simply this, the stone was rolled away. <laughs> what great uh, symbolism. So the question I want to pose to you this morning is this, has the stone been rolled away in your life? You see, as Christians, we're supposed to completely identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, the Bible even teaches us that's kind of what happens when we're baptized. It's as if we're buried and then raised again in new life. The, Paul talks about this in Romans. He says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live new life. So the whole thing is that now because of what Jesus did, we are able to experience and live out this victorious Christian life that's supposed to get the attention of everybody around us go, wow, look at how these people live. This is the glory of the gospel of Jesus. Sadly... A lot of us, though we have been raised to life in Christ, and there's all kinds of terminology for that, you know, you know I've seen the light, or I was born again. What? These, these phrases are all designed to describe this incredible event that happens when Jesus Christ comes into our life, we put our faith in him, and he does something. The Spirit of God comes in, and it's like we breathe real life for the first time, and we are changed. Life is changed. Those of you who have had this experience know what I'm talking about. It's not the same anymore. When you meet Jesus, he changes everything. It's all part of this resurrection life that now is put inside of us. But now we too are to walk this thing out and start living life in a glorious manner. Sadly, a lot of people who do come to faith in Jesus never seem to live a victorious life. It's as if they were raised from the dead, but the stone has not been rolled away. The question is, how do we fix this? You know, it's like when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. You know, I love the story of Lazarus. I mean, Jesus at times would heal people who were very, very sick and they would be miraculously healed. At times, he would raise people from the dead, but they had just died. And then he raised, and if you're a skeptic, you're probably figuring, well, how do we know they were really dead? You know, he was just mostly dead. And uh, so, so they're not really dead yet. So he must have somehow snapped them out of it, you know. But so it would have been easy. If you're a skeptic and you're not believing this, who knows if they were really sick in the first place. But when we get to Lazarus, now this is a cool one. Because this guy's been dead for days. All right. And he intentionally delays coming to his friend who is Lazarus. In fact, when he gets there, Lazarus' sister just chews Jesus out. Where were you? Where were you? You should have been here. He wouldn't have died. So she's going all off on him. And, but see, he intentionally waited so that he was mostly dead. And so he's dead, dead now. Okay. And he's dead. When was it? Three days? He's dead. And, 
And uh, so Jesus finally shows up and they're yelling at him because where were you should have been here? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so he says to them, you know, again, roll away the stone. And they said, you don't want to do that because he stinks. <coughs> it's what it says. He's, he stinks. He's been, you know, you know, we're talking Middle East, warm temperatures, dead, few days. <laughs> it ain't good. You know what I'm saying? So they roll back to stone. And then this, one of the most incredible miracles that Jesus ever did. He yells out, Lazarus, come out of there. And of course, everybody's like, and they, okay, everybody looks at the cave to see what's going to happen. Well, Lazarus has been, you know, he's been wrapped up ceremonially like the ladies were trying to do to Jesus that next day. And he had his hands and feet wrapped in cloth on his face, all the proper stuff. So they're waiting to see what happens. And sure enough, he yells out, Lazarus, come forth. And they're all looking in the grave at this tomb. And all of a sudden, this guy comes hopping out. <laughs> and he's all wrapped up. Now, I, I really hope there's instant replay in heaven because this I got to see. <laughs> because, I mean, holy cow, how do you handle that? I mean, I would have freaked. Seriously, if I'm at your funeral and you stand up, I'm out of there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> So, I mean, he just, he comes hopping out, and he looks like a mummy, because he's all wrapped up. <laughs> ah! You know, now you would think, you would think that would make everybody believe, because this guy's mostly dead at this point. This is bad. And now, and the Bible says that the religious leaders of the day looked at that, and instead of saying, wow, he must be the son of God, they thought, oh, we got to kill this guy. <laughs> Seriously, this is the set it up for them to crucify him because they were so ticked because of this incredible miracle. See, sometimes we think, oh man, if people would just see miracles, oh, if God would just show up and just change this or the other, oh, pastor, if God would just, then people would believe everywhere in Green Bay. Every... No, they won't. They won't. There's nothing they can see. There's no argument you can make with them. There's no intellectual ra rationing that you can do with them. There's nothing you can say. That will make them believe. Unless God draws somebody. Unless Jesus said, my father draws them, they can never come to me. You want to make a difference in someone's life? Don't try and figure out what you can say to them or show them. Pray for them. Ask God, God, speak to this guy's heart. Draw my mom. Draw my brother. Draw me. Because unless God does this, faith is not possible. I don't care what you see, what you've heard. What incredible argument you can come up with. This thing is not done through your head. It's not done through your eyes. It's done through here, you see. It's through faith. So anyway, Jesus says, here, let, let's read this. He says, when, when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And of course, the dead guy comes out. Dee, 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 dee. His hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen. A cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Again, the picture of some of us. We have come alive in Christ, but it's like this is life for us still. We have a hard time doing anything. We have a hard time accomplishing anything. You know, because we're still wrapped up. It's as if the stone has not been rolled away. In the book of Hebrews, we read the analogy of a runner who runs a race. 
The writer says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. Get rid of the stuff and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. If you've ever been a runner in school or run a marathon or whatever, you know, these runners, they're not in jeans and jackets. They don't have boots on. They get down to what is just barely legally allowed. <laughs> just short of buck naked, okay? They are because they're going to run. You don't need stuff. Else. You get as light as you can, and you get the lightest tennies you can, and you're going to run. You don't need stuff to hold you down. But it's like we've been called to this incredible race. But instead of just getting free, we're still grabbing stuff. Well, I got to have this, and I really want that, and I need this, Pastor, and I know I shouldn't do this when I keep doing this, and I don't have to, you know, and, it's, and then you go... <laughs> Why is life so hard, Pastor? I have tried to run. I just, I'm like the last guy. Everybody's ahead of me. I don't get this. What is wrong with me? You're carrying too much junk for heaven's sakes. <laughs> Quit hanging on to everything. Well, I got. I know I shouldn't have it. I know I should, but I gotta have this. It's not how you run a race, man. You need to get free. It's like we've been raised from the dead, but the stone has still not been rolled away. Has the stone been rolled away in your life is the question this morning. For some of you, it's the stone of fear. Others, it's the stone of addiction. Others allow the stone of sin to block your freedom, hanging onto things you think will help you, but it doesn't help you. The women asked each other on that Sunday morning 2,000 years ago, who will roll away the stone? So let's ask that question. If you're struggling this morning, who's going to deal with this stone? Well, sometimes God himself will roll away the stone, as undoubtedly he did on that Sunday morning. And God sometimes will miraculously do things. I'm, it's amazing. Sometimes you'll hear someone's story of faith. And they were like drug addicts, heroin addicts, smoked three packs of cigarettes a day, cursed every other word. I mean, you know, prostitutes. I mean, and dramatic stories of people who come to Jesus and God does a miracle in them and instantly sets them free. I've known many people like this. Uh, I was one of them, quite frankly, that was into all kinds of very destructive behavior. And when I asked Jesus Christ in my life, it was like it all, it just all let go. There was no struggle with letting it go. It was just gone. These are dramatic things. I think sometimes Jesus does this for people who that, but short of that, they'd never get free. Because they just cannot do it themselves in any way, shape, or form. Sometimes God will roll away your stone. Sometimes God will tell others to roll away the stone for you. Sometimes he'll speak to you to get involved in other people's lives, to help them roll away the stone. That's part of the Christian experience, part of being a church where we help each other do life. Here at Celebration Church, we have all kinds of programs to help people who are struggling in life, people who have been wounded by great disappointments in their life and struggling with things in their life, people who have had uh, addictions. We have programs for that as well to help you walk through it, be it drug addiction, alcohol addictions, whatever else. We can help you. 
Sometimes you need someone to help you roll away the stone. We have a great program in the church called Life Skills that is designed to help people who really struggle with life. They are the quintessential person. They're still walking around in the tomb, but they can't get out. They're the people that are still hopping around like this. They can't get free. These are the ones who are trying to run the race, and they've got all this weight on their back, and they can't get free. Life Skills is a program that we have here that's designed to help people. Let us help remove that stone in front of you so you can get free. Uh, sometimes we just need to obey God and roll away the stone ourselves. Like it says in Hebrew, he says, he didn't say ask God to get rid of these weights. He didn't even say ask someone else to help you get rid of the weights. He says you need to lose the weights. Sometimes we need to intentionally just shed the stuff that holds us back so that we can run this race with patience. Run this race with freedom. Get the speed up without holding on. Life is hard enough. The race is hard enough. If you've ever been in a race, you know it's hard enough without carrying a bunch of junk with you. This thing, even in the Christian life, this glorious experience that we have, even that's hard enough without hanging on to things that are just going to keep dragging you down. Get rid of it. Sometimes we got to do it. Sometimes we have the dumbest things that hold us back. I mean, at the end of the day, we have to be honest. Look, we do what we want to do. You know, we have a wonderful community here in Green Bay. You know, if the weather gets really cold and really miserable, churches all around the community will shut their doors. We do it as well. When it gets really bad, you know, apparently we can't come to church when it's that bad. Amazingly, if there's a game that day. <laughs> I mean, hell can be freezing over. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But yet 70,000 people make it to the stadium. We, we can't make it to church. That was just too much. It's too much for us. Yeah. I mean, come on, let's be honest about it. People do what they want to do. We don't take life seriously. We let every excuse in the world keep us from coming to church and getting involved with God. And some of the people's greatest reasons for not coming to church is their pajamas. It's the jammy excuse. You know. And we have lots of people who watch us on television all throughout central and northeastern Wisconsin. And we appreciate that you watch us on TV. We really, he doesn't, but I do. You know, the, the baby here is irritated by it, but I'm thrilled that you, that you watch, watch us on TV and, and, uh, and, and stuff. But seriously, you need to get out of your jammies and you need to go to church. I mean, if you don't want to come to our church, fine. Go to some church somewhere and get involved in the kingdom of God. I was at uh, the Rush Center the other day buying tickets for some goofy thing for my grandkids. I'm going to take them to. And it's amazing how much money I spend on those rugrats. But anyway, it's a... <laughs> but I'm grandpa, yeah. Hee. So I'm standing in line when I'm getting ready to pay an obnoxious, obscene amount of money for some tickets for something and circus thing or whatever. Um, I come out, and of course, they've got these little speakers in front of each ticket. Thing. If you've ever been there, you know, at the restaurant buying tickets, they have little tickets, so they, they push them How many tickets would you like? You know, yeez! Like, <laughs> I'm right here! You know, but all right, and these tickets, and anyway, this lady, one of the ticket seller ladies looks over, and she sees me, and she pushes her button and goes, hey, aren't you that TV preacher guy? <laughs> I 
I mean, the whole city can hear this thing, you know. <laughs> and, and at first I'm mortified. I'm thinking, I'm the TV preacher guy? <laughs> Sounds like some psycho televangelist, you know what I'm saying, you know. Send me your money today, you know. I'm not a TV evangelist, okay? I, I don't have the hair for it, first of all. Because you, you got to have the hair thing, you know, if you're going to preach on TV. But uh, I'll do that TV preacher guy. Going, yeah. I guess I'm that guy. Oh, I watch you on TV. Well, thank you. It's great. It's fantastic. Again, we love it. But seriously, come on, guys. You really want to start experiencing God in your life? We love it that you watch, but you got to get involved. You know, it's the jammy excuse. I'd come to church, but I have these fabulous jammies. I mean, how do you sell that on Judgment Day? I would have come, God, really, but have you felt these jammies? Because that's some comfortable stuff, man, I'm telling you. Honestly, let's be honest. We're all guilty of this at one time or another. Get too comfortable if the weather's really great. You know, it's kind of a blessing curse thing. If the weather's really great, people don't go to church. The good news is we live in Green Bay. <laughs> so usually we're pretty full. But, but the weather's good. Oh, no, the weather's good. Seriously, that's all it takes? I mean, come on. A lot of them say, well, it's everything from the most obscure, jammy excuse, so the weather's nice, to, well, I just don't want to, and I don't feel like, and I want this, and I keep this, and, and then we wonder why we struggle in life. At some point, we need to roll away the stone and make things right. This Easter, as you enjoy this day with your family and friends, make a determination that any stone blocking your faith will be removed, either by trusting God to do what you cannot do, by allowing others to help you what you're struggling to do, or to let go of the things you know you need to do, let's make a determination that we're going to walk in the freedom that Jesus paid dearly that we can experience. So life for us will be a constant expression of free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last because we're not no longer tied down to the sins and the things that destroy our lives. And I promise you, it's when we live like that that's what convinces people. They don't care about your arguments. They don't care about your intellectualism. They don't care about all your reasonings. They won't accept it anyway. But when they look at you and we are living the kind of life that people envy because of what Christ has done in us, that gets people's attention. Let us be bright and shining lights as we go home today into the world in which we live so that people will start to think, man, I want to be like that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your kindness, your mercies and forgiveness in our lives. Thank you for this incredible miracle of salvation that we experience through Jesus. Thank you for this great resurrection Sunday that we celebrate now. Father, I pray that you'll help us to make a determination stronger than ever that we will be free and to enjoy the freedom that you have done in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. I'm going to invite the ushers if they would come as we just prepare for communion this morning and our worship team as they return back on stage. In a few moments, we, as a family, will be partaking of a piece of bread that represents the body of Christ and 
You'll hold in your hand the, the cup that may have grape juice or wine in it that represents the blood of Jesus that was shed for, for us. Here at Celebration Church, we have take communion every single Sunday because it's a time where we can stop and remember what Jesus did for us. When he suffered and died on that cross, gave his life so that you and I could be forgiven of our sins. On the third day he rose again. So yes, this is Resurrection Sunday. This is Easter Sunday. But every Sunday is a celebration of the fact that Jesus is alive and that he's not dead. So we're going to enjoy that in just a moment. We're going to partake of it together. It's kind of looking back, you know. Jesus was the spotless lamb. The lamb of God that took away the sins of the world. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel were, the children of Israel were instructed to get a spotless lamb, to bring that spotless lamb. It's part of the Passover, looking forward to the time when Jesus would come. And they would prepare that lamb. They would... They would kill the lamb and that, the shed blood of that lamb was, was a covering for their sins. Looking to the time that Christ would come and finally die on the cross and rise again on the third day. And we today can enjoy that very same thing, that very same truth because of what Jesus has done for us. What he has done in our hearts and our lives today. In a few moments I'm going to invite all of you to just join with me and repeat a very simple prayer. But before we pray that prayer, because as we pray that prayer this morning, it's a place where you can start your walk with God. Take hold of the truth that has been preached here this morning. But let me ask you that question that Pastor Mark has been asking you. Has the stone been rolled away in your life? Only you can answer that. Not the person next to you. Not the person that invited you to come here this Sunday. Only you can answer that. Has the stone been rolled? Is it a stone maybe of fear? A stone of unforgiveness, a stone of addiction, a stone of sin. Have you rolled that stone away? Well, this morning, in a few moments, we'll give you an opportunity to pray a prayer that will take hold of the fact that taking that stone and beginning to move it away in your life. You see, we'll be inviting you to pray a prayer that will talk about confessing our sin. A place that we say the same thing about our lives as God. God's word says that we are all sinners. And we're all sinners. We're all in need of a Savior. We can repent of our sin. Turn from, with God's help, turn from our, our sin. And by faith, accept Him into our life as our Lord and our Savior. It's a heart thing. Not just something that we say from our head. So would you bow your heads with me this morning? And I'm going to invite all of you just to repeat this simple prayer after me. It's a simple prayer. But it's a very important decision that you're making here this morning. The start of your walk of faith. That as you walk it out, as you yourself allow God to help you roll away the stone. And others around about you helping to roll, the, roll that stone away as well. That life, the life of Jesus, the resurrection life will come and be revealed in your heart and your life. So would you pray these simple words after me? Say, dear Lord Jesus, something in my heart tells me I need you. I now confess my sin and repent of my sin and by faith ask you to come into my life as my Savior and my Lord. Amen.